Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle. Shell, how's it going today? Pretty good. This is episode number 11, Shell. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, I thought we would talk about our video that we filmed this week, um, the New York Strip Surf and Turf. Oh, man, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, that was kind of my take. You would, Restaurant Iris is a, is a really, really nice, uh, it's not a steakhouse, it's just kind of Chef Kelly English's. It's, it's a, a restaurant. Yeah, it's a chef-y, it's, it's kind of a, a chef-y restaurant. I would say it's more like a New Orleans style restaurant because he's I mean, he's influenced from from cooking down there on the coast. I think he spent a lot of time in New Orleans uh, honing his craft, and he came to, came to Memphis and opened up a restaurant several years ago. And uh, we've been a few times, and the the dish that that I think he's famous for is that surf and turf. And it's one of the best steaks I've ever had at a restaurant, and I wanted to recreate it. That's where I kind of got the inspiration from on this one. But let me tell you a little bit about what he does. So he takes a New York strip, grills it perfectly. You know, it's seared up. It's cooked just right. Simply seasoned, just salt and pepper. But then Chef English, he takes it, slices it, stuffs it with some blue cheese, some deep fried oysters, finishes it off with like a hollandaise sauce and then he serves it um it served over like a potato hash and yeah. we had some vegetables on there i wasn't worried about all that i just wanted to nail that surf and turf that, that you've been wanting to do this recipe for a while now and i've been a little huh, like i don't know because it's it's so many components you know you got to fry the oysters and you get this blue cheese dressing and stuff so um, you finally said, let's just do it. So. And you know what? After I jumped in there, it's really easy. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, cooking the New York Strip, it was textbook. Got my PK360 good and hot. Had some grill grates because I wanted those restaurant grill marks. You had a and really good? Really good beef. Like, I mean, yeah. those those were uh, Matador prime beef steaks. Uh, they were marbled up. I mean, so you know it's good beef, and I don't want to do anything to mess that up. I mean, I guess you could season it however you wanted to, but I just thought salt, kosher salt and a little black pepper is all it needed. Well, you got, you're adding so much to the back end. You don't want to add yeah. too much flavor. I mean, to you know, the oysters are going to have flavor. They're seasoned up, and they're fried. Then you got the blue cheese, and blue cheese can overpower something. So, you know, it didn't use a lot of blue cheese. We just added it to the hollandaise sauce instead of stuffing it in there like, uh, like they do at Iris. Well, let's uh, talk about how you did it. To make it, you know, efficient. Because the first thing you did was you got your grill hot. Yeah. Got the grill good and hot. I run just one chimney of uh, B&B charcoal in my 360. Got those coals hot. While, you know, while the while the grill was getting ready, I went ahead and put the hollandaise sauce together. Because in all actuality, that probably takes that and bringing the oil up to temp takes the longest. Hollandaise sauce is not hard to make, but it's it's a procedure. Because it's what, all about technique. Yeah, you have to keep the heat low on the water. You set up a double boiler, and all that is is like one pot on bottom with a little bit of water in it to, to, to create that heat, and then a pot on top, and there's like a void in between, so you're not like boiling that bottom pot. you got to keep that heat good and steady. You could use just a regular little small pot on the eye with a little bit of water and just a, a metal mixing bowl. That would work too, but you're creating that kind of a two-zone cooking thing on your stove. And I just had a little eye set up outside. But I put the double boiler on there. I took some eggs and just the yolks. That's all you need for a hollandaise sauce. You can use the, throw the whites away or use them for something else. But um, I used like three large egg yolks, a little bit of fresh lemon juice, and you whisk that together. It kind of gets frothy. It'll change colors a little bit, turn a little bit uh, lighter shade of yellow. You know, the yolks are real bright yellow. And then we get that mixed up and we put it over that double boiler and you just want to slowly start cooking it. Because if, if the eggs ever start to curdle, if they start to cook, you got to throw it out. That's, you know, you've broke the sauce at that point. But to really get it to emulsify, to turn into a sauce, you need some fat. And that's where the stick of melted butter comes in. And the butter's been warm. We melted it just in the microwave and slowly drizzled it in. If you, if you dumped it all in at once, it's going to cook the eggs. It's going to heat the mixture up too much. So I just slowly drizzled that butter in. Whisked it while I was doing it, and then it come together. I think what two or three minutes. It wasn't long to make that sauce. 
Once if, it comes together, will it break at that point? It can still break if you get it too hot. I mean, you're tempering those egg yolks, so you're not cooking them. You're just bringing them up. And they are they, they end up being cooked, but they stay in the sauce form. They don't curdle. They don't yeah. get chunky. They're mixed yeah, so yeah, well they're with the yeah, butter. That's what emulsifying yeah. is in the sauce. We finished it off with just a pinch of cayenne and a little bit of salt for some flavor. And then I just set the whole thing off the heat. And let it hang out there, you know, outside. It stayed warm. I'd go by and whisk it every bit. But that's the the foundation of that. It's just a basic hollandaise sauce. Easy to do. And then we were going to we finish it with the blue cheese at the end, really, to turn it into that blue cheese hollandaise. But you don't want to add that till you get ready to serve it. The next part come um, putting, the, putting the oysters in the soak. And I just used the egg wash for it. And you could, you know, it's just eggs, milk, hot sauce, a little salt and pepper. That's all it was. Real simple, and I just threw those raw oysters. Now, I, I just bought some raw oysters from a local butcher, and, you know, I didn't shuck them or anything like that. He already had them done. He'd come into, like, a, a little pint, but they were Gulf oysters, and so they were large Gulf oysters. Man, they were they were excellent. I'd be happy to get those. If I was down on the coast eating raw oysters, that's the ones I want. We go to New Orleans, we go to Acme or somewhere like that. That's the, that's the oysters I want when I buy, you know, two dozen raw oysters. But I need, I guess there was probably, I don't know, 10 and the little pint container of those big oysters. And that was perfect for, you know, doing a couple steaks. Yeah. We actually had a few left over that we ate because they were so good. <laughs> but I got them in the egg wash, put them in the refrigerator until we were ready to fry them. So then now it's time to PK. The coals are getting hot. That well, took, you also, you, you got your, you started getting your oil up to temp before you started cooking your steaks. Yeah, well, I used peanut oil, cast iron pot. That's all it was. And we set it on the burner about medium heat, let it come up, put your candy thermometer in it so I can, because you want about 375 for frying oysters. You and, don't want it to get too hot. Yeah, you don't want it too hot, but you don't want it too low either because you want it to get crispy and not cook that oyster all the way through. It needs to stay creamy. So once the grill's ready, it's time to cook those strips. And that part's simple. And I just dumped those coals out. Um, I wanted it, I wanted them more rare to medium rare. So I only went like total of three minutes on each side. I put the grill marks on them, you know, minute and a half, twist, minute and a half, flip, same thing on the backside, and that's it. I took the steaks off, let them rest, because, I mean, they need to calm down after that, let's all that juice stay inside. And, you know, I think that, like, when you go to Irish and you get this recipe, um, they slice the steak in, kind of in half and make a pocket, and that's where they put the deep fried oysters and some of the blue cheese well, to me, I mean, it's it's great in the restaurant, but I was like, man, I'm going to lose all that juice on the inside if I slice that steak. So why not just top it? Top it with the fried oysters, top it with the hollandaise blue cheese. And I thought that was a better way to do it. For, yeah, I mean, for, for me, for, for doing us, it at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong. this was just your interpretation. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Recipe, yeah. So that's what we did. Uh, deep fried the oysters. I, I breaded them just in a Louisiana fish fry mix. I got Kroger. If you, you know, if you got your favorite breading recipe for oysters it's it's just a basic breading it's like cornmeal and flour seasoned that's all it was but i tell you what the reason why i like that louisiana is because it's a little spicy mm -hmm. they've got you know some kind of creole cajun seasoning in there mixed with it so the oysters by themselves had a little bit of a spice to them which was great and it really went well with the hollandaise and the blue cheese because that toned it down so once I fried the, the oysters, one minute's about all they took. Yeah. They got crispy, but they stayed just perfect on the inside, not overcooked. They're not rubbery at all. It was just melting your mouth. Yeah, they just melted. They were delicious. So what we did, <laughs> I just... And they were a little spicy, but like you said, it, it, it worked really well with the blue cheese dressing. Oh, yeah, that calmed it all the way down. So I took the steaks, laid a few of those oysters on top, mixed that blue cheese in with the hollandaise, just kind of whisked it. That's where it's a little chunky and you still get all that blue cheese element. You don't want to melt the blue cheese. That's why I didn't put it in earlier. And then I topped it with that, a little bit of fresh parsley. And man, I'm telling you, this <laughs> this recipe is a winner all day. I mean, it, now, if you don't, the only, I guess the only way you wouldn't like it is if you don't like raw oysters. I mean, deep fried oysters. There's some people that can't. It'd be difficult to get some oysters. You know, we live close enough to the Gulf. We can get some fresh old oysters fairly easy yeah i mean you could you know you could use pacific oysters you could use um you know you like chesapeake shrimp. bay oysters or whatever but that's what i was saying too if you know if you don't like oysters hey put some shrimp on there you could grill them you could deep fry them you could do some lobster you could do some crab meat i thought you, crab meat mixed with that blue cheese it would still be good yes, you could top it with some good lump crab mm -hmm. you, know, you, know. you wouldn't fry it it would just be you know yeah it would just be lump crab mixed with that hollandaise and blue cheese would be very good over the sauce strip. is what really made that when you put that with that steak and the seafood element 
Man, it's a winner. It was. Uh, you know, we talked about, um, we always say, what would you do differently with the recipe? After you've cooked it and tasted it and everything, what would you do differently with this recipe? Man, um, that uh, it's, it's great just how it is. <laughs> I mean, I guess the only thing would be to substitute out a different kind of seafood. Just to try it. I would, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do it with some other <laughs> stuff because I'm telling you, it's so good. And you know what? You, you don't have to use strip. It would be great on a fillet. Yeah. It would be, I mean, I probably wouldn't do it with ribeye because, you know, you eat ribeye because it's, it's fatty. It's fatty, yeah. yeah. But Rich. anything, like, you know, a leaner steak like that you have, a, a fillet would be an excellent choice to do it. And they do, you know, they top, uh, fillet, they pair fillet with lobster, fillet with crab meat all the time. Like, and so this would, this would go well with the fillet. If you, if you like fillet better strip, man. You gotta try it with the New York strip. That's perfect for it. <laughs> it really is, um, and I love fried oysters. So when you put those two together, I, I love steak. I love fried oyster. I love hollandaise. It, you know, I could see it. I could see it that making a good po' boy, where you take the steak, cut it into strips, add the it'd be like a combo surf and turf po' boy, where you could take those deep fried oysters or deep fried shrimp and then put them on there with strips of steak and then top it with that hollandaise you, sauce. You couldn't eat a whole po' boy out of that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but I'd like to try. It is rich. You know, the sauce, the blue cheese hollandaise makes it extra rich. I mean, because, you know, those big oysters like that, they're creamy and, you know, they're rich anytime you deep fry it like that. But then you add the steak element and then, oh, man, it was good. Y'all really don't understand how good that was. I don't think the video did it justice. And, I mean, I'm not saying that it's better than the one they have at Irish, but, hey, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> I'd give it a run for the money. It was good. You I, might see that. In, in like a, I might work that into a one-bite challenge or appetizer challenge or even a beef entry somewhere. I mean, you know. Well, you had said when you did it, it would be a good world food entry. Yeah. Kick, yeah. So, if, hey, look Probably out. shouldn't have said that on there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But no, that was a, that's a really good recipe. And it's really, I mean, it seems like it's a lot of components, but it's simple to do. Yeah. When you break it down the way that you did, that, that was my concern with it. But there were so many components. How is it going to work? You know, well, you to keep it, it all hot take, and yeah. fresh and, and all come together. But it, it, You thought it was going to take a while to do, but it really didn't. I mean, in all actuality, probably the peanut oil coming up to 375 was the longest. Yeah. Because, I mean, what it takes cold 15, 20 minutes to get hot. You can make that hollandaise sauce no problem in that time. And then the oysters soak. I mean... Ours probably stayed in there a half hour, but I mean, you could go a couple hours if you wanted to in there, but that's easy. And then the cooking the steak is simple, so it's just putting it together. Yeah. So, so today we had someone ask a, a pretty good question that I thought we get a lot of people who ask this question. How do I get started in competition barbecue? A lot of people out there, you know, they enjoy cooking barbecue. They see these competitions going on. Um and they just don't know how to get started. And I, I can see why. It can be a little overwhelming to think about how you, you know, start competing. So that's what we were going to talk about, how to get started in competition barbecue. Yeah, and you know, we probably talked about how we got started before. But, you know, our approach was a little different. We didn't we didn't set out with the mind, oh, we're going to be barbecue competitors. Yeah. We, we, we kind of started accidentally because it was a party. But <laughs> Well, in this but, area, there's Memphis in May, and then there's a lot of, like, satellite contests that um, are around Memphis in May and kind of follow the same rules. Yeah, your MVNs. But, yeah, but there's a big party element to it. You get a big tent and you get music and you get kegs of beer and, and it was really appealing when you're 22, 21, yeah, you know, or yeah. you were even younger than that. You well, know, yeah, you I, I mean, we saw it from a younger age because of spring fest. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, our parents went there and that's where, that's what you did. But, but if I've, you know, for people that are just know it as the competition side, they cook good barbecue at home and they want to step up to that next level. It's not, I mean, I guess it seems, it seems like it's a, you know, undertaking to get started in comp barbecue, but it's really not. Yeah. Um, what I, what, you know, the first thing I tell people first is kind of decide what organization you want to cook in because there's so many different ones. I mean, you know, KCBS is probably the biggest and it's worldwide now, not just nationwide here in the States, but it's worldwide. Well, also, um, there, I mean, there's a lot of like local contests that aren't sanctioned. That's, yeah. you know, and that's, that's really, I mean, that'd be your best bet if you want to get started. started. I would say, and we call them backyarders. Just because they're non-sanctioned or non-sanctioned contests, 
A lot of little towns have these, and it may be like a rib only or a ribbon butt, but that's a great way to, to venture into comp cooking, um, you know, to find these local ones, to see what's in your area close by, and to find out a little more about them. Um, you know, of course, the internet's a, a great resource for looking up stuff, but, but a lot of times, I mean, you probably already have, you know, some inclination if there's a local contest or something going on. So I would, I would start there. And oh, really, it's just as simple as getting your application and putting your money down. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it, hey, getting in one's not hard at all. I would say, okay, so for, as far as, you know, what you can expect from entry fees for a barbecue contest, a sanctioned contest like your KCBS, MBN, IBCA, GBA, all these different organizations, I would say on average run about 250. But you can expect these backyard contests to be about a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's what you know. That's what I see. Now I guess some of them, may, if they have two categories, they might be a little bit more expensive. But it, but it's not. Um, you know, when, when you first started out, don't get. It's not a really a money thing. I mean, you have to have a budget, of course. But I'm talking about as far as cooking a contest where they're giving away a lot of money and big prize money. I wouldn't even set my sights on that because it's not about winning money. I mean, if you're getting into comp barbecue because you think you're going to win money, don't do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to warn you. It's not about winning money. So, I mean, you know, when you, I guess when you, after you've done it for so many years, you like to go to the bigger ones where you got a little bit better chance. But when you're first getting started, I tell people it's, you know, it's about just getting everything turned in. It's not even a matter your of getting contest, your name called. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you, what you want to do is you want to figure out what you're going to cook, what kind of contest it is. And I always tell people um, one of the best ways, and I didn't know this when I first started, was to go out and become a judge of whatever you know contest organization you're trying to get started in. Because I feel like you're getting a foothold on what's going on. You're kind of seeing what other people are turning in. You're well, you learning. get to taste it. Yeah, you get to taste the you people's barbecue. You get to barbecue. see the timeline, you know. You get to taste it. You get to see what other people are turning in in their blind boxes, you know. Yeah. To kind of get an idea of it. It's the best way. And you can go, um, any of those sanctioning bodies, KCBS, the state contests, they all have judges' classes. And it usually costs, what, 75 bucks, 100 they're, bucks? Yeah, they're, like they're not 35 Some of them are 35 yeah. bucks. They're not expensive. It's a one-day class. You go and become... A certified judge. Right. And, you know, what it really, it's not teaching you, you know, what good barbecue is or anything like that. That's all kind of on you to learn as you, as you learn to judge. But what it is doing is giving you the credentials to sign up to go to these judging. You're, you're learning first off what they're looking for. They, I mean, they all have a certain system yeah, the where guidelines. they're, yeah, what, the guidelines of what they're judging, you know, you're judging on. Most of them, it's like appearance, taste texture things like that now they all have little you know different little scoring uh, systems they use where they might incorporate overall or they might break out a decimal but they'll, t they'll teach you all that in the judging class but um you know the main point of me was it gave me um a way to go out and, and get into some of these contests contact these organizers let them know that i'm a certified judge and that that i'm willing you know to come out and spend a saturday judging or whatever and so doing that gives you a jump it's Typically free to go and judge those contests once, once you're certified. Yeah, once you're certified, yeah, they're begging. They beg for certified judges to come out. I mean, I get emails all the time. We need more judges for this state contest, or we need more for this barbecue contest. Now, your KCBS contest, if you want to get into judging that, you have to go to the class and get certified. But then you got to stay on top of it because those things typically fill up. I mean, you've got a lot of people. That's all they want to do is judge. They're not even into uh, competitions. They just like to go judge good barbecue. Um, and that, but, but it's a great way to learn as a cook too, because like you said, you get to taste the food. And also I look at it as when I'm sitting at a table with these other judges, I'm kind of judging them to see what, the, you know, if they, if like, I know we all got the same entries, if they liked it, what they talk about, cause you can't talk about it while you're scoring it, but, but judges also talk when it's over. Mm -hmm. So they might say, Hey, you know, we, that, that first entry, that was really good. I like the way, you know, that sauce went with it. And so it kind of gives me a, something to shoot at. It puts me on target anyway. I don't know exactly what those cooks did, but I can taste and I can say, Oh man, you know, that, that was good stuff. I want my barbecue to taste like that. Nine times out of 10, you're going to go judge and you're going to say, man, I could beat this stuff. I know. <laughs> At least that, that's the way I did when we first started, but we did it with, I mean, you know, when, when we finally went, I guess it was Memphis and May, we become Memphis and May certified judges first. That was back when we were a backyard team. We started out and we decided, you know, we had to turn pro. We said, well, we're going to go learn how to judge first. There wasn't cooking classes back then. And, you know, that's 
that's another good element to, to go we'll down that road. That. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but going and, and getting certified judge at first put us on target. Then it let us go out, find the contest we wanted to cook, start practicing at home. That's, you know, that's the main thing is, is practice. That way it's second nature when you get there. I mean, that, that was a big part from getting into comps for us was, of course, you got to put in your homework. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the practice for a minute because a lot of people, you know, they think they have their ribs down, you know, or, or they have their chicken down or whatever. But do you have it down in the timeline? You know, do you have your ribs down while you're also cooking chicken, on, you know, and ready to turn in on that specific timeline? That's that's another thing. So when you go out and you figure out which organization you're going to cook, you want to learn how they run those contests because you have to build a timeline to practice at home before you ever get there. Um, you don't you don't know. I mean, you might cook the best slabs of ribs, and all your friends and buddies and family might say, "Oh man, you're going to win a contest with these." But can you do it under the parameters of that category? You know, while you're doing chicken, while you're doing butts, while you're doing brisket, that's what makes it challenging. Um, and that's where it comes into putting in homework, practicing at home. Um, and so you, one of the things you always recommend to people is to do a mock contest at home. At home. That's where I started. I, we, we start, I tell people, all right, first, you know, work on each category separate. That Get that down. Get and then, flavors. Yeah, get your flavors down, what, you know. And it's not to what you think's good. You got to get that out of your head. What your friends and family think's good is not is not what yeah. they think's good in competition barbecue. It always kills me when someone says, well, I like my chicken a little more spicy. Well, that's great. Cook that at I, home. But yeah. these judges are not going to necessarily like spicy. You you're know? cooking. See, in competition barbecue, you're cooking to the judges. You're not cooking to what you like or what you think. And that's you have to get that out of your head. It has to, you have to cook it to what's winning. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get it, if you want to play this game, you've got to, you got to first, you got to go figure out what's winning, or, you know, do, do some more homework. Um, you know, judging's a great way to do that. Uh, going out to the contest, making friends with other people, kind of, you know, shigging a little bit, seeing, <laughs> seeing what's, you know, seeing what's winning. I mean, there's, what's shigging? Uh, shigging? Well, that's where you buddy up to somebody at a contest <laughs> and you're kind of eyeballing what they're doing, sneaking over there, <laughs> watching what kind of rubs they're putting on, watching their sauces. Trying trying to pick up secrets. Most they, people will tell yeah, you. Most people will tell you. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. But hey, you got to, some people, they ain't going to tell you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll tell you the wrong thing, yeah. put you on the wrong. Uh... But, you know, that, but so that's, you know, how you, when you start getting into it, you got to start somewhere. And judging's a great way to start. Practicing in homes a great way to start. Getting your timelines down. Learning, learning the flavors that's working in your area, not just. Not just everywhere, but in your area. Because, I mean, that's, you know, regional barbecue is different. Um, I always say, you know, kind of a balanced sweet and spicy is what typically works. And that's what we shoot for around here. I mean, it, you know, um, but let's say you go to Texas, they're not wanting it as sweet. It's more of that, you know, you got to cook to that region. You got to use that wood that they're using over there. When we go to Georgia, we're going to add some peach wood to everything we do. If we're cooking up in, you know, Illinois. Missouri area, we're adding apple. I mean, it just depends on where you're going. These are little things you pick up on that, that'll that help you in competition barbecue that you're probably not going to know when you first start. Yeah. The only way to learn that is to get out there and do your research and cook. So, Yeah, and, um, you know, this is, you always say this is one of the few sports where you can come in and lay your money down and cook against, you know, the Michael Jordans out there. Oh, yeah. You, know, the, you, you can cook can, it against the best. Yeah, you can go cook against Mikey D's and Travis Clark and, yeah. you know. All these guys that win all the time, you can jump in there and cook with them. I mean, yeah. they'll let anybody in. They'll be glad to take your money. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. You can go and see how yeah. stack up against the best of the best. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of first-timers that win. It's uh, not... It's not necessarily in, like, KCBS. They well, might get calls. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, uh, or I've seen some people win their first steak contest. Yeah. I've seen it all the time in steaks, yeah. but that's, that's kind of a different thing. But, yeah, I guess barbecue's more, I mean, it's... It's harder when you throw in four categories to, yeah. to get them all to line up. I see a lot of first-timers get chicken calls. Yeah. That's the, probably the category where you see it the most. And ribs is probably second. I mean, yeah. brisket and pork, you it's know hard to cook yeah. those. Yeah. But for chicken, you can come in and get you a good first-place chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a category call your first time. Yeah, in, yeah. in a KCBS. But it, but it goes back to doing your homework now. When you get getting into competition barbecue, there's probably some you know basic stuff you got to have. Yeah. I mean, you got to have some. You got to know your equipment. You got to well, have some. Yeah. So yeah. you got to have a grill that will, or grills that will, um, you know, work for whatever you're cooking. 
whatever. Uh, if you're doing a KCBS, you've got to have the capacity to do the four categories. Four categories. If you're going to do it on one, you better really have your timeline down. I mean, even us, you know, we go to comps, and I've got my old hickory on the trailer, but I also have a drum that we use for chicken. Because uh, I'm cooking different things at different temps, you know, and it's about capacity, like you said. I mean, if, if you're going to cook on the same, you got to know you're going to probably take off your big meats, hold them, and then cook your chicken and your ribs. So that's all game plan. That's That comes down to, you know, knowing what you're getting into, knowing that timeline, how it's going to work, what you're cooking into that. What do you think a good um, option is for somebody that's going to cook a KCBS and needs, uh, you know, uh, the capacity? Just getting started? Yeah. I would, man... I, it would be hard pressed for me not to steer somebody towards drums because the you can get into you know you can they're easy to transport. Getting into a couple drums is not that expensive. Most people have the budget for that. It's not like you're going out and dropping four or five grand on a big smoker. Um, you it, can it, buy them. Yeah. the big papa has that kit. Oh yeah, yeah, you can build your own. I mean, hey, that's I've got a big papa kit. That's what that's what we use for chicken. I mean, yeah. I've got a gateway at home that I use for. Videos and it's great, but I don't want to get it beat up hauling it around <laughs> on my pretty. comp trailer. Yeah, I probably do need to get me like a another one just for the and comp pit trailer. barrels also. Yes, yeah, pit barrels an option. There's a lot of great entry level ones. I mean, I've even <clears> seen Weber Smoky Mountains out there. They yeah, the people, that's a great one. To... I, you know, I tell people that too. If you learn to cook on a water smoker WSM, I mean, it's a great great pit for starting out. And you can do comps with them. Um, I mean, there's. It, it really depends on how you want to cook. There's people that cook on, you know, you can take pellet grills and cook on. It, it just depends on what, you know, what style of barbecue you want to cook, what you're comfortable learning to cook on. Um, but as far as budget goes, man, those drums are hard to beat to get started. Yeah. You can do, um, you know, you, and you don't, your ribs on one, you know, do chicken on one. But someone, if I was going to, if I was going to be a drum cooker, I'd probably at least bring three. Yeah. That's how I would roll. And don't think that you have to cook hot and fast on them because, I mean, you can cook low and slow on drums just like you can anything else. It's just a matter of controlling that tent, learning how to do it. Most of the guys that I see out there cooking solely on drums are cooking hot and fast. When I say hot and fast, they're cooking 300, you know, 325, something like that. And, and you know, while we're talking uh, KCBS comp cooking, a lot of the guys are cooking on jambos. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's you said, a big investment, though. Yeah, heck yeah. I got one ordered. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be here in October. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to get one because I've never cooked on them. And yeah. man, we get beat by them all the time. I don't know. Something to uh, Jamie's cooker there. I don't know. It's something about a stick burner. The judges love it. No, those guys, I mean, they cook on them. You know, they, they've got it down. They've, they've learned how to run those stick burners. They're efficient. I mean, they, they work good. They you know, fit the way they cook. But you could use anything. Yeah, you could. I man, mean, are there rules against, you know, certain... Well, see, you have to find out what bo- sanctioned bodies sanction you're cooking right? yeah. and, and learn their rules. And what's KCBS's rule? Uh, any fire source that, you know, it's charcoal or wood fired or pellets. That's their, No gas. No gas. You can use gas to start the initial fire, then it has to... No gas. Once meat goes down, you can't use any other propane assist or anything like that. You can use uh, pent tip control devices like your like barbecue guru. gurus or anything that have the fans and the control units. Those are fine, but the primary fire has to be charcoal or wood. That's just our pellets. That's your three fuel sources uh, in KCBS cooking. Yeah, and I mean, and, so you, you know, like we said, there's a bunch of different styles. There's MDN. There's IBCA, GBA. Most of them, F- most of your barbecue competitions are going to be wood charcoal pellet only. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there may be some backyards where they don't care if you use propane grills or whatever. But um, the best thing to do on that is when you decide, a, you got a contest you want to cook. B, go find out the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're when you sign up, most most of them will give you a set of rules. But whoever's organizing it should know the rules or you know what what they're judging on because. If you don't, I mean, you know, why even? I wouldn't even bother to cook it if I didn't know what rule, what the rules were going to be. Well, most of these contests, like I just all the ones I named off, they're typically all two day contests. So, what do you expect? You know. Well, you know, you know, we always expect to stay overnight. That's one thing. We most of them are ran. You get there on Friday. You have a meat inspection. That's when you're turned loose, uh, seasoning, doing whatever you want to the meat. What time is the meat inspection usually? It usually starts at eight a.m. But I mean. Like KCBS, we don't get there till that afternoon a lot of times. I mean, now, if, if you're in a contest where they're cooking whole hog, of course you're going to be there early. Sometimes they even show up on Thursday nights for these NBN contests 
just because they know it's going to take so long to cook those hogs. But typically, you know, meat inspections Friday afternoon, you get set up, get ready to start working on your meat. The big meats go on overnight. Well, you have a cook's meeting about five. Yeah, usually typically four or five, something like that. They'll do a cook's meeting. And that's where they kind of give you your boxes, tell you the basic rules of what they're looking for, whether there's garnish or no garnish. And usually but, with KCBS, they'll say any first-timers, they can stay behind and they have a video. Yeah, they'll show you or, pictures. Yeah. You know, if you want to see what blind boxes look like, they'll... The, the reps um, in most contests, especially your KCBS or MBNs, are really great. Those guys are a wealth of knowledge, and they love new, new, time, new time cookers. I mean, those, those are the ones that's growing the sport, you know. If I was just starting to learn, man, of course, I'm going to go talk to those people, try to make friends with them, ask questions. That's how you learn. And most of the comp, uh, comp guys, if you tell them this is my first contest, They'll answer any questions. Oh yeah, you you're gonna find people that'll take you under their wings, help you out. Um, I mean, they're gonna steer you. More than likely, they're gonna steer you the right way. Yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna do you wrong. If you because start beating them, then they might. You know what? What I like about comp barbecue is it is it's kind of like a family. I mean, it's real family oriented. I mean, you know, of course, there's when money's involved, there's gonna be some secrets and stuff going on. And that's usually on Saturday around turn-ins. The rest of the time, everybody's usually pretty friendly and, yeah. and inviting and will help you out. I mean... If you forget I, something, somebody will loan it there's, to you. There's, I don't know if there's a contest goes by where we're going to help somebody do something. I mean, yeah. whether it's I forgot my rub shaker or I need some gloves or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and we do the same. Yeah, yeah. heck yeah. I mean, there's, stuff, there's, there's times I need stuff. Like Mr. Kendall, he's always going to come find a way to borrow something. He thinks it's luck. <laughs> he shows up. Kendall's going to come get something from me. He's, whether he needs, <laughs> whether it, or he needs it or not. That's, <laughs> that's how he rolls. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> so, after your cook's meeting, then you kind of... You're, you're free to start cooking. Or yeah, really, you're no, free to start yeah, cooking. Anytime after your meat inspection, yeah, it's, it's go time. Uh, and, you know, for first-timers getting into comp barbecue, that's where you need a timeline. I sit down and I, you know, figure out, I'll I, I run a spreadsheet. Well, you know, what time am I going to get meat inspected? What time am I going to do injections and season? What time to cook's meeting? When am I going to build my turn-in boxes? When are we going to put the big meats on? I mean, it's just, it flows. And that all goes back into prep. Um, you when, actually have a sample timeline. It's an older one, but. Yeah, I, I've, we've done it so, you know, so long ago. And it's. It it's pretty current. Yeah, it gives you an idea of how to make a timeline. Yeah. I wouldn't say go out there and use that timeline. I mean, you could. There's nothing wrong with it. It worked for us. I mean, you know, it's the one I started too. with. But, you know, it's always adaptable. And so you're making notes as you cook on what works, what don't work. You know, if I need to change something, you always got to be thinking that. But that's, that's homework. All that stuff you can do at home. Um, I'm really big on finding out whether what contest you're cooking, if you can prep at home. I like to bring everything to a contest already prepped. That's a good that, tip. That means trimming my meat, especially because I can trim it in the comforts of my own kitchen. You know, I've got AC, I've got refrigeration right there, I've got water right there. I can keep everything clean, contained. I can disinfect the area where I cooked real easy. I'm not having not to do this. Yeah, I'm not doing it out under a tent at a contest. So, but you always have to make sure you can do that um, according to the rules of the contest. Uh, you know. KCBS again, for example, we can bring our meat trimmed. Uh, we can't do anything to the flavor of it. So you don't want to marinate. You don't want to try to brine or inject or do any of that at home. You'll have to do that after meat inspection. But you can already pre-mix your injections and your sauces and your brines and have all them in containers ready to go when you get there. So you're not having to worry about the recipe, mixing that stuff up. And I bring, you know, so I'll have a cooler that I set up. It gets all my sauces in it, all my injections in it. Uh, the marinades, and then I've got a meat cooler coming that's got all my pre-trimmed meat. I use a vacuum sealer. I try to, you know, it's just a, a Walmart-style food saver vacuum. I use the big rolls for the big meats, the expandable turkey-style bags. They'll hold a brisket. They'll hold my butts. Regular bag, the 11-inch bags will hold your uh, ribs and chicken, no problem. And what we do is we just put our, you know, trim our meat, put it in that bag, vacuum seal it up, stick it in the refrigerator. It's good to go. And then Friday, when you get ready to go to the contest, you take it out, put it in your cooler, ice it down. You get to the contest and you have a meat inspection. Most of the time, you're just raising the lid and they see all of it packaged up, all of it iced down, all of it neat, and they know you're good to go. There's no having to take it out and check everything and all that. But um, you always just want to keep food safety in mind, too. That's And that's another thing, keeping it all. That's what they're checking for, too. Yeah, they, they want to see that. I mean, you're not coming in with, you know, 
green butts or just raw bloody meats in, in a bag or something. Yeah, no. No, I mean, that's good. They don't want to get anybody sick, and you yeah. shouldn't either. I mean, that's the, the last thing I want to do is get anybody sick eating my barbecue. So we're really big on food safety. So, um, it's a good idea to take a food safety course. That way you know you're giving some food out to somebody else. You want to know the right ins and outs of doing it. Because, I, man, I've seen some horror stories. You'll see guys that they might have a rub tub where they just dump rub in there from oh. one contest to the other, put raw meat off in it, and put a lid on it, put it back in their cook trailer, and go to the next one. I mean, oh. It always kills me when I see somebody, they're using their shaker with their meat hand. Oh, yeah, it's all, it all uh, on there. And then they take that shaker with all that meat juice on it and just put it right back in their right, tote. Right back in the tote. No, I can't do that. But, okay, uh, but I'm, I'm, we're doing our best. I mean, I, we're not the, I'm not, I'm not the cleanest guy. I mean, we'll have stuff all over me, it's guaranteed. <laughs> but, but it's not going to be contaminated. Your meat's neat. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And one thing that um, Waylon does that I think is a great idea, he'll slip a, a black glove, a black nitro glove, on a rub shaker. So you can pick it up and grab it all you want. Yeah. When it's time to put it up, you slide that glove off, throw it away, and your, you know, your shaker's clean. That's twofold. He does that to hide what he's using, too. Oh. <laughs> he'll tell you, he has to keep it clean. No, he don't want about to see what he's putting on there. He's sneaky like that. So your, uh, your, your most of your barbecue contests, KCBS, NBN, IBC, all of them, they're overnight. Yeah, and, and your most, barbecues yeah. are. Now, there's going to be some backyard-style contests. Or ribs. Like rib, yeah. rib and chicken, maybe, that they're only going to do in one day. And, those, I mean, you still want to prepare the same way. But, yeah. you know, you can expect you're going to stay overnight at a yeah. contest. And, hey, we used to, when we first started out, we were out there under tents. We'd just take a comfortable chair, and some, there was going to be a night guy that stayed all night. So you got to prepare for that. Sleeping uh, in the truck. Yeah. We, we, when we started, we, made, people we didn't have trailers. people bring and, like, you know, camp. Yeah, yeah, a lot of we see a lot of that. Uh, yeah. We don't, you know, na- nowadays, you know, people have barbecue trailers, and you know, like us, we have, you know, we have some small beds in ours. Well, if we you're doing it every weekend, you've got to be comfortable. But you, you start now. I don't. You don't have to have a barbecue trailer. You can come out there with a tent. Um, what you do need is a list of all the stuff you're going to bring, all the essential stuff, and that goes back to com- to running a mock contest at home. I, and this is what I this is what I tell people. I say. Write down everything you think you're going to need as you cook at home and practice. Because you don't want to take too much stuff. I mean, we made that mistake. We used to, we used look to like, take a shelf yeah. and then just fill it full of seasonings. And Whatever rugs. we had, we bring everything we had at home. We thought we had to transport out there and set it all up outside. Well, you don't need all that stuff. But you do need <laughs> well, to have a list. You well, know? yeah, you're, yeah, you're really working yourself. You don't want any extra work. Yeah. And so that's why I say make a list of what you need and use. Get you some totes. They're cheap. You can get them at any dollar store, and that's where your stuff goes. You know what's in there. That's you the best way to do it. And what, what I would do at home is I would set up my grills outside. I would run my contest, and anything that I had to go back inside for, I'd write it down. And that way, anything I didn't need, you would come off the list at the end of it. And so that's the way you, you kind of narrow it down to what you need. And you're not bringing all this extra stuff and overworking yourself. And right now you have two totes. You take to contest. You yeah, have that's a, it. I've got all ours down to two cooking, totes. You call it cooking tote. No, what do you call the other tote? Supply tote. Supply tote. That's what I have a lit. I have a spreadsheet. Supply tote. It's got my gloves. It's got my pots. It's nice. got my table covers. It's got the knives. It's got whatever I need supply wise in it. And the cooking totes, all my ingredients, the rubs, the you know the sauces. The, all the important stuff that goes in there that's going on the meats and the cooking tote. Yeah, and that's, and that's an hot run. Yeah, yeah, and that's it, and that's it, and that's all we bring. And really, I've got it down to where I can leave it in the trailer and have my list in there, tick off what I need to restock, and that's all I'm bringing back to where I'm ready to go for the next time. I'm not having to, you know, take everything out, reorganize, do all that. I try to keep it down. And it's it's just a great, it's, it's a better system. You're going to have a better time cooking. You're going to do better because you're better organized. And it lets you concentrate on actually cooking that meat and cooking the perfect barbecue that's going to score well instead of overworking yourself and having all this ton of stuff in the way. And I mean, it, you'll learn real quick. If you do a few of them, you'll learn really quick that you don't want to take anything else out there that you don't have to have. So what do you need? Um, aside from your smoker with the capacity you need and you need your meat because you need some kind of shelter. You have to spy your tent. Yeah. Uh, you, you need, need ta- charcoal. You need work table, charcoal. I mean, your basic cooking supplies. You, I mean, everybody needs a thermometer. Get you a thermopan. That's going to, when you're cooking the temp out there. I mean, you got to have some aluminum foil. Everybody, we all use aluminum foil. I mean, if they say they ain't doing it, they're probably lying. 
But I mean, you, you know, your table, basic you stuff. Need a couple chairs. Yeah, that's just equipment. And coolers. I like to keep yeah. a separate meat cooler from my drink cooler, and then usually I have a little small cooler. That's my sauce cooler. Um, I, we use Cambros to hold the meat once it gets done as we're holding our big meats. You can use the, dry coolers. You can use a dry cooler that for that. Um, I mean, that's just that's just basic stuff to get you started. Um, the the most important thing is your grill, your smoker, and your thermopan. That to me, that's the most important. And so let's talk about like a KCBS contest. Your average entry fee is about two hundred fifty bucks, um, and you can expect the average grand champion wins twelve hundred. Yeah, thousand, twelve hundred, something like that. As well as the usually the grand prize. Yeah. Most of the time they're structured like that. They pay, a lot of them are paying out till tenth now. So yeah. and you, you win for each category. Yeah, too. yeah most of the time they're, they're you know four hundred, three hundred, two hundred, one hundred. What's down. the most you've ever won in a KCBS contest? Man, probably two below. Eight. Back when it was, it was like I think we come out there with over twelve grand yeah. total that time we were going grand. Which that was a big one. I mean that, but that wasn't hundred teams. Yeah, you don't see a lot of those, especially anymore. It seems like the winnings have went down some. Um, On average, most of them are. I I like to see eight to ten thousand dollar total prize purse, and that's broke down over the whole contest. Every category, yeah, yeah. And I think it's fair that way. You know, contests are realizing if they can get that kind of prize purse, they're going to get. You know, they're going to get 30, 40 teams usually sign up, and everybody's got a chance to win something. Because really, it's not about what that total grand money is. Uh, to me, I just like a chance to recoup something that I've spent. So what's your average winnings on a – let's say you go, you have a good day. I mean – Four or five calls. You know, you're in the top ten. You're in every category. Oh, you're probably going to come home with, you know, $1,000. Okay. What's your cost to do a KCBS contest? <laughs> <laughs> About a thousand dollars, four hundred dollars, shell. I don't. I'm not gonna tell you. You can see. It. You start putting a budget on me. It's all, all you get. It cost me three grand, shell. If I tried today. Are we going out to dinner? Are we going to celebrate yeah. when it's over and all that? Yeah, I'm about to jump. I'm about to boost it up. I told you we don't get in this to win money. Even if I did put a budget, no, it wouldn't work. You would have. Now I would say you know we we used to could do a KCBS contest. Um, this is when we first started out for around five, six hundred bucks. Now it seems like it really is more of about a thousand dollar commitment to do a KCBS contest. But a lot of that's meat costs because we're buying an expensive Snake River Farms brisket. That's two hundred bucks. We're you know we're spending another at least probably one hundred twenty five to one hundred fifty on pork because we're cooking you know high dollar ribs, high dollar butts. Chicken's the least expensive category. I mean, even if you bought Springer Mountain Farms chicken delivered to you, you're probably going to spend about 40 bucks, 50 bucks on that. So you got to look, you've got more tied up in meat costs than you do probably anything. I mean, would you recommend a first timer to spend that? I probably wouldn't. I mean, you know, to do a basic KCBS contest, I mean, you need a brisket. Brisket's not cheap. You're going to spend, you know, 50, 75 bucks just probably on a on a good choice brisket that's, you know, decent brisket. And then, you know, ribs and butts, you need at least minimum of two butts. That's that's another 35, 40 bucks at Sam's. And then you're going to need four racks of ribs. That's Would you really recommend four racks for a new first-timer? Four racks. Yeah, I'd do at least four slabs of ribs. I mean, four slabs of ribs is, is really not as minimum. Three, three bare minimum, three slabs of ribs. That's, you know, 30, 40 bucks there. And then at least... 12 to 16 pieces of chicken, whether you do thighs or legs. I would definitely do dark meat chicken if I'm starting out. I mean, that's that's what I see still to this day. Thighs kind of rule the day. We cook thighs. Legs uh, are real popular, but nobody's yeah. turning in breasts. I would say, you know, $250 entry fee, you're still on a minimum probably going to spend about 250 bucks on meat. So you're $500 in right there. Yeah. That's not including your sauces and seasonings and ice expense and gas and all that charcoal and everything else that incurs so you're going to spend all that but what you do is when you do it at home you buy you know you're doing your practice you're doing a full-blown contest practice write down all these expenses and see what it costs i mean because you'll know i mean a lot of times what we did we started you know we're not one man doing this we started out as a team and we all split it up yeah um can one man do it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's even harder for one man to do it. So it's a lot of hard work. It, there's a lot of great one man teams out there that win all the time that are up, you know, 
up top in the points of, of KCBS and all that. But just, I mean, there's it, I like it because it's the team element and it shares the cost of it. So it breaks it down. So, you know, if if you know you're gonna have a thousand dollar budget and you got three or four guys doing it, well, you can afford you know two hundred fifty dollars a piece for the weekend or whatever. Yeah, so that's the best and way to look at what, it. What makes those backyard contests so appealing for a first timer? Yeah, because, because they're less expensive. Yeah. You you can spend a hundred dollar entry and you can cook just ribs or or you know and pork butts. Um, I will say that you know in, in some of these sanctioned bodies, if you want a shot at winning grand, you usually have to compete in every category. When you're first starting out, you don't have to. If you know, if you just want to go, yeah, you could just do you know just the ribs. You don't have to do all of it to start out with. But if you really want to, is your entry fee the same at KCBS? You still got to pay the. It's usually the same. Yeah, yeah. and KCBS, a lot of them they'll run or you know they they have a backyard division Mm -hmm. too. So that's a a great place to start out for people that's interested in competition barbecue. Is maybe not start out in the pro ranks. Maybe find you some backyard competitions. Some non-sanctions to cut your teeth in those areas to see if you know if you're if you really want to incur that expense and the time and, yeah. and the equipment you might not and everything. Enjoy it. Yeah, you might not. <laughs> I personally love it. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to kind of talk about SEA. It's not barbecue, but it is you know that competition cooking. A lot of the same guys cooking comp barbecue are also cooking SEA. Yeah, and what you know that's kind of how we've talked about SEAs and had some guests on talk about SEAs. SEA is the State Cook-Off Association and it's another grilling cooking organization, you know, out and it kind of falls in line with barbecue and that's how we found them was they were pairing them with barbecues. Yeah, they do. It's like a Friday, Friday night, night. And so and what it was it's just another organization where their um, you know ribeye steaks is their thing and and just getting into something competitive cooking, it's a great way to get in. Well, it's a one-day event. It's yeah, usually typically, typically one-day event. Saturday. They supply the meat, so you don't and, have that cost. Entry yeah. fees are low. Entry uh, fees are typically low. 150 bucks. And yeah, you only payouts, need one. Really good. One grill. Yeah, one grill. You I can mean, use a Weber. You know, you can use any kind of grill you want. See, they don't limit you to, to heat source. Uh, the thing about SCA is their organization, you can cook on anything. I saw one guy, and he actually won. He cooked on a tabletop Weber. One of those little bitty things. Yeah, 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 the little... <laughs> he cooked one time. Um, you can cook on pellets. Anything. Yeah. Gas, pellets, sous vide. Yeah. Anyway, any, they say any cooked away, if you want to cook it in a microwave, you can do that. <laughs> they don't care. SEA don't care. As long as it's, you know, cooked, of, as long as it meets their criteria, uh, cooked to a perfect medium. One question that I've seen we've been getting a lot is, do you have to have the grill marks on your steak? You don't have to. Some people sear them. Yeah. Like cast iron. Uh, I will say this, I think... Most of the time, a steak contest is won with a steak with grill marks. Would you turn in a steak in an SEA without grill marks? I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> have you known anybody to win? No, I've never, never known it. I've never known anybody to win sous vide, but there's guys that try. Yeah. And I do average, know some people that win with pellet grills, though. Yeah. And your average payout for an SEA is $800 to $1,000 for first place? Most of them are 1000 yeah. That's your average, 1000 so And they pay out to top 10 usually. They pay out. So, you you know, for a $150 investment, you got a pretty good shot, you know, to, to win a little money there. I think that's why SEA is popular, too, because mm-hmm. the investment is and investment's low. When you do a contest and you like it and kind of want to start getting more serious about it, what are some tips? Well, I would say the first one's go out and, and, and take a class. Yeah. There's so many good comp classes out there. Um, you know, even we do one. Yeah. I mean, we you know we you know we've got a lot of people that take our class that beat us <laughs> first time out. So there's, I mean, there, but you know, you we talked about how expensive. Area. You can see how expensive it is to do comp. And most of the time, you can take a class for you know three fifty to you know thousand bucks. That, you know, somewhere in that range. But it's about the cost of one contest, and what you can learn from that class. You you know. It would take you years to spend the money and just kind of experimenting on your own. So you can see the trade-off. Could you skip one contest, go to a class, and then get get ahead of the game? That's I mean, when we first started, there weren't classes like that. We just kind of had to create our own. And there was you know, the internet wasn't even a big thing. I mean, there might have been some some old uh, there were, well, they're not blogs. They're kind of like chat room forums. type things or forums. Yeah, yeah. Where the, the the guys offered information and stuff, but there was no. There was no client. That's really one of the ideas we had behind How to Barbecue Right. It it started off kind of sharing comp information. Yeah, because there wasn't there wasn't anything there. That's what that's what started How to Barbecue Right. We were just sharing that information, 
And I mean, you see where it's grown to with the, all these classes out there now. And there's, I mean, we ton of great cooks out there. Yeah, we try to take one every year for somewhere else just to see what's going on. And my approach to the class is I don't expect to go and take a class and do exactly who it, whatever whoever's teaching it's doing. I'm not trying to copy exactly what they're doing. I'm trying to pick up on things that's going to improve what I'm doing. So if I take away one thing that's going to get me better at brisket or better at chicken or whatever, man, it's well worth that money that I spent on that class. And that's just, I mean, because it's an invaluable way to learn it. I mean, I, it makes you think different and it, and it allows you to, to, to see, you know, something that maybe you're not doing it that way and it puts you ahead of the curve. Yeah. The, the the comp classes are kind of a blessing and a curse because everybody's gotten to look really good. <laughs> yeah, they really. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's up the it's up the playing field. Mm-hmm. There's a, so many great there's yeah. so many great barbecue cooks out there now. I think it's because of classes, because of the internet, because people are sharing, and you know, people are just competitive. So the barbecue's getting better. Yeah, it is. And it's harder and harder to win. It's harder and harder to win, yeah. So you got to get that edge some way. And, you know, y'all always talk about, it used to be you could find those little contests where you could go slip in and Get your grand, yeah, not anymore. I mean, there's hitters, there's 10 or 15 people at every contest you go to that could win. Yeah. And that's not even accounting the new people that get into it that have a shot to win, you know? So any... I wrote down a few tips. Start local, start small. That's, That's probably the best advice you could give somebody. Find your local barbecue contest, whether probably backyard style, non-sanctioned, and start there. Don't go out and invest all this money and think you're going to sign up for you know the American Royal first time. <laughs> you and, can, you can. There. I mean, you can, but I just think that starting out small and and building your way up, it's going to be a much uh, more pleasurable journey, you know, because well, I mean you're you learning as you go, and you don't just want to jump in and, and get disappointed. So you spend all this money and you're not getting results, and you think something you're doing's wrong. It's that's not a good way to do it. You want to, you know, you want to start out small and slowly go up that hill. Um, talk to other guys competing when you get there. That's the best way to make friends with people, and you'll find you'll beat some of the best people in the world at barbecue. Comps. I think that's one of the things that's so appealing about barbecue is the people. The camaraderie, the family atmosphere. I mean, it's it's just a great place to spend time and hang out. Yeah. And you build a lot of friendships yeah. and um, don't expect to win your first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I promise you, you're going to be <laughs> sadly mistaken at the end of that day. Which when you do win, oh, man, it's like the highest of the highs when yeah. you get a call. I, I mean, I, I never went in with the expectations of winning. It just kind of happened. We lucked into it over the years. And it, it goes back to, well, we put in time, we put in practice, and we did all that. So good results came. But you can't go into it at first expecting that you're just going to dominate. Yeah. I mean. I don't care how good your body is. I don't care is. how good. The first time, I just say, man, you won if you got them all turned in and on time. I mean, that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> that's a win there. When you do get a call, it'll be worth it. One thing I just thought of is um, we always tell people to take pictures of your blind boxes right before you turn them in. You know, right before you go in, we still do that to this day. Steaks, barbecue, whatever it is, we take a picture of our blind box because everything's happening so fast right then, and you got to get it in. You, you're under the time crunch. Once you, you know, get everything turned in, you have this time to reflect. You have that picture to look at, you know, especially when you get your scores back. Yeah, and you can see, oh, man, I see. Yeah. It didn't look. I should have did this. I should have done that. Yeah. You don't, you don't, it's not looking at the same eyes. Yeah. Because of the of that time crunch that's on you, um, a lot of things it's good to have them just because if you did do good, I need to go back and do that. That box did really well. They liked the way that looked or whatever. I mean, that's it's a great rep, future reference. Uh, keep it simple. Don't take the kitchen sink. Yeah, that, that goes back to that list. Go back, make you start making you a list of what you need. It's real simple to do. A list and a timeline are probably my two most important things you can bring with you. You don't do the timeline anymore. I guess you have that down, but you print out a list for every single contest. Every single contest. That's the first thing I do. Usually starting on about Wednesday when we start going out and buying, you know, stuff I need. I have a checkoff list. And that that way, when I know when when I get to the truck, we're hooked to the trailer, we're rolling. I've checked off everything on my list. I've got what I need to do that comp. I mean, if I forgot something, nine times out of ten, somebody there is going to have it. But it's that's that's what you know that's what makes you a better cook being prepared read the rules know, know the rules that's what you got to get you got to find out 
what kind of contest you're cooking in, and what are the what are the rules. That way you can skirt them as close as possible. <laughs> Figure you can bend them. You can bend them, but don't break them. That's, that's the way to approach. Yeah. What does he say? He don't okay. feel like he's doing nothing unless he's bending. Unless he's bending them rules. No, what's his thing? Um, I want to be the person that they have to make the rule about. Yeah, he wants. He wants to. He wants to be the rule changer. <laughs> they have to make a new one because of what he does. It's been a long time since they've had to make a new rule because of it. He likes to be on that edge. Well, uh, any other tips or advice you got? Well, you know, I, I just, I just think that. Competition barbecue is so much fun. It's a great, great way. I mean, as you can see, it's not cheap. It's not, I mean, just, just like golf or fishing, you're going to spend some money to do it. <laughs> and it's probably going to create a lot of headache. But, man, it's a lot of fun. And I think you, uh, people, if they're into cooking, they really enjoy it. You know, I think everybody's a little competitive. And then everybody thinks they can cook good barbecue. So step it up. Uh, you know, ease into it. Don't jump out and make a big financial commitment where it puts a burden on you. But have some fun with it. I mean, you're going to make some great friends. It's a lo- it's a lot of way to spend time. It's great for the family. I mean, I like getting kids involved with it. Um, I'm lucky enough to where my wife loves it still. I hope. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a lot. And we, you know, we've met some of the best people in my life around competition barbecue. So, and uh, you know, I hope we want to keep this thing going. That's part of what we do. We do the podcast and our videos and all that. It's all because it's such a good uh, fun. Yeah. You know? And you know, a lot of those contests do have kids cooks. They'll have they do, yeah. burger cooks or something you like that. You got to get the kids involved, man. It keeps them off the video games. It keeps <laughs> them off the street. <laughs> get them into cooking and they'll like it. That's one thing that we look at. If the contest has a kids cook, we know. We'll plan a weekend around taking the whole family. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's like it's kind of like camping with a chance to win some money. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's pretty much our intro to competition barbecue. And you know, if anybody has any questions or anything about it, I man, they can always hit us up. And we, you know, we get emails all the time about getting into comp barbecue. So um, that's that's something. If you have, if you want to talk, you know, any more about it or have any questions, you can always. Shoot us an email. Uh, hit us up on Facebook and uh, even on Twitter. Shell, Shell always gives the details out at the end of the podcast, but but uh, that's uh, you know. Well, do you have any stories about comp? Man, we could talk for hours about competition. About stories. you getting started in comp barbecue? Not, I mean, anything that pops in there. Nothing that pops right into my head. I mean, I just I, I know how we used to do it. We just loaded up trucks. We, when we, we didn't have a trailer. We yeah. had a. We would load everything into your green Dodge. Yeah, and we would. I mean, I'm talking. When we talk about everything, we're talking about like a Rubbermaid closet. <laughs> we, would, <laughs> we would have stuff strapped to it. We, we had like, like a little fishing. We had a fishing sink where you could clean fish, like hook it up to a water hose. We had to take that with us. We had some ficus trees because we thought we had, you had to decorate, so we hauled ficus trees all over the country. <laughs> we, we would take. We didn't. We, hey, we didn't. We didn't Why have pop up tents. <laughs> We had the pole tents that had a thousand pieces or whatever you got. And one man can't pick these things uh-huh. up. They're so heavy. And we'd always try to keep the box as long as possible to put the poles back in. And that box, man, it looks like it went through hell. We'd try to tape it up. And it, oh, man. it was a bunch of elbows and elbows stuff. Elbows and angles oh, and all that stuff. It was, it was the Why car- didn't we have pop-ups? I don't Did know. We not know Shell, I don't know. <laughs> this is how we thought you did it. I remember those ficus trees. We'd haul around in the back of the truck and all the leaves and start blowing off, going blowing down the off. highway. It was yeah, we were we were pretty clowning back then. I remember one we would set those tents up and then storms would come through. We had to go out there and try to hold it down, and it'd be tornado sirens, and we're out there holding these tent straps, trying to. We didn't. We never strapped them down, okay. so all we did was hold them down. Well, one time you decided you were going to get smart and make your own uh, tent weights. So you got five-gallon buckets. We hauled those around, filled them up with concrete with rebar sticking out of it, which was dangerous because they would impale you. And, then we'd have and they six, weighed like 100 pounds. Six Home Depot buckets with bags of quick green in them, and that was, hey, with a re- let's with haul that around too. <laughs> and we did. And you can't stack them up either. This is, this is how I learned all the stuff that I know, Shell. It's not really funny. I don't know why you're laughing at me. <laughs> I remember one contest. <laughs> The way we used to do it with KCBS when we first started out, we didn't have a trailer. So we'd get one hotel room, and Waylon would go to bed the first part of the night, like at 6, you know. And we would kind of stay up and watch it until he got there at like 3. Yeah, and drink heavily. Yeah, well, we drink <laughs> Not heavily, but 
socially. And then um, we'd swap out, and um, Waylon would come and take it take it from three on, you know. Until we went back, yeah. took a nap, come back at six or seven. Yeah, we'd come back, grab just a couple hours in a shower. But I remember one night it was so cold, and we were outside. And this was early March, you know. It shouldn't have been that cold. but And we didn't have – we were unprepared for it. So Kid we got, Missouri, I remember that night. <laughs> we got a um, – Two charcoal chimneys and filled them up with charcoal and lit them and just huddled around. around. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that very man. So we were so glad to see Waylon. We were freezing, and then we finally got back to the truck and got to the hotel. I think it took forever to get warmed yes. up. That was that was a rough one. Yeah, those are good stories. Yeah, that's how you know you like it when you go through all that. And you still want to do yeah, it. Yeah, you still yeah. want to do it. Or maybe we were just young. I don't know. I don't know. But that's pretty much it. Uh, intro to Comp Barbecue. And Shell, um, tell, tell everybody how they can get in touch with us. If you want to get in touch with Malcolm, you can connect with him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at How to Barbecue Right. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram and Twitter. Um, of course, you can find our YouTube videos on our How to Barbecue Right YouTube channel. It's really hard for us to answer all those comments on YouTube. So if you have comments or questions, reach out to us at either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode 11. I hope, uh, I hope we touched on intro to comp barbecue pretty well. <laughs> Maybe we got a few people interested wanting to, wanting to give it a shot. But, uh, well, what are you doing next week? What, what's your recipe for next week? Um, you know, I'm going to take it to dessert this week. It's been a while since I've done a dessert on the grill. You don't have very I've many got a, um, I've got a, I've got a cast iron uh, pineapple upside down cake I've been wanting to do on the grill. That's and so delicious. we're going to do that and hopefully release it next week. If it turns out, if it don't stick on me, I'm, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to fire, I'm going to get, I'm going to get that, uh, trigger good and hot about 350 degrees and, and make a pineapple upside down cake. Sounds delicious. Show somebody how they can do dessert on the grill too. Yeah. So that's that's coming up. Um, sure, got to do another state contest. We're going to be in Wynn, Arkansas, Friday night. Waylon's coming back from his European vacation. <laughs> <laughs> He's been over there for two, ever since Memphis and May. He left Memphis and May, got on a plane, and been gone ever since. So I'm dragging. He's, he's due in tonight. And then uh, I'm going to pick him up, and uh, we're going to Wynn, Arkansas this afternoon. So I'm going to have everything locked and loaded, take the state team over there. And uh, that's about it. We're going to have another it. busy week. Yeah, I'm going to take the I'm gonna take Saturday and Sunday off and uh, relax a little bit. And that's what I'm telling everybody. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find a thousand things to do. But that's it, man. Uh, thank you all for listening. Episode 11 has been fun. Uh, and uh, if you got comments or questions, you all know how to get them out to us. And we'll see you all next time. Put some smoke in there this weekend.